morning. I feel like after that song, we all are a little bit quiet. That organ was pretty loud on that one. <laughs> well, last week we had Dale Keffer here, and um, you know he he taught about why do basically why do bad things happen to good people? He talked about the sovereignty of God, and before that, Josh had talked about. Um, the greatest commandment, which was to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so today, I sort of want to join Josh in that theme, because ultimately, those two are the greatest commandments that were given, and that's what I hope our church will be able to um, follow those commandments. So let's go ahead and read. I think, Josh, when he did it, you read it out of Mark, I believe. And I'm going to be reading it out of Matthew. So it's, it comes from Matthew starting in uh, chapter 22, verses 34 through, through 40. So just to, to start, I'm going to go ahead and read those verses, and then we'll kind of go from there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, and in some translations it says a lawyer, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So just to kind of give you the story here, you know, you, you kind of think of this scene that's happening here with Jesus. Right? The Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. So they probably thought to themselves, well, we're really going to get him now. We're going to bring this lawyer into the picture. This guy, he knows the laws, right? And in the Old Testament, there was around 613 laws that this lawyer would have had to have known. So the lawyer asked him, which one of these commandments out of all these 613, and I know every single one of them, you know, he didn't think he was going to get one past him. Which one is the greatest? And this was something that was a hot topic in their Jewish culture at this time. The leaders were debating, you know, which one of these out of all these commandments, which one is the best or the greatest one? Now, a commandment, if you think of it, it's kind of like a law, right? It's something that is a rule that is imposed upon people from authorities, and it's usually a divine rule, right? So it comes from, from, from God rather than from men. And here Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And then he says to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, everything that you're discussing here is as far as which one is the greatest commandment, these two wrap up and summarize all of those 613 laws that you're talking about. This here, in this first part, it talks about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That basically is referring to your whole self, the whole person, everything in you. Love God with that. And when a Christian first places their faith in God, it's usually because of a realization of Christ's love for them. It's because, hey, you know what? I am in a place where I feel like the love of God is the reason why I'm going to have faith in him, because he gave himself up for me. And that is super important to always remember that. But we tend to sort of get caught up in that and forget 
that the first commandment is to love God. And especially in our culture today, we kind of get wrapped up in the love of God and then we never sort of move on past that. Not that we should ever get over it, right? But it's deeper than that. And God's love is deep for us. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is may we never forget to remember his love for us. Now, what do I mean by forget to remember? Well, I'm a husband and most of you, some of you guys here are husbands too. And sometimes I forget to remember things that my wife tells me to do. And, you know, it actually goes both ways in my defense. I did ask Amy a couple months ago if she could sew a, a part of my pants that had, that had uh, ripped. And I went to put them on this morning and she still hadn't sewn them. So I guess she forgets to remember sometimes too. But in general, we tend to be a selfish type of people, right? And we have the propensity to think that his love for us means that we have an excuse to ha act however we want, right? That, that verse that talks about, you know, should I go on sinning so that God's grace may abound? And Paul says, absolutely not, right? So that's not what we're talking about here. That is sort of a shallow faith, right? You realize that Jesus loves you, but you're not doing anything in response to that love that he has for you. His love for us is simple, right? He loves us. But yet his love is not shallow. And in response, our love for him in the same way should be simple, but not shallow. So he says here to love God with all of your heart. That's the first thing that he says. Well, what is it? What is he talking about? To love God with all of your heart. What does that mean? And one of the words that I think kind of closely relates to this and as far as this love is intimacy. And what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about like the intimacy between a husband and a wife. I'm saying that intimacy should describe our relationship with him. Well, what is the definition of intimacy? The definition of intimacy is actually a close familiarity or a friendship with him, right? So we are in communion with him. We have this close familiarity with him. We're not distant from him. Another word, and it's a word that we don't usually use too much very often in regular conversation, is fervent. We should have a fervent love for him. Fervent means having or displaying a passionate intensity. So when we sit in the presence of Jesus, and we experience that intimacy with him, we'll be able to say, God, I love you more today than I did yesterday, and I want to love you more tomorrow than I do today. That's the type of fervent love that we should have for him. But if you don't have this intimacy and this fervency for him, for the Father, then you're actually operating out of a deficit. What, am, what do I mean when I say that? Let me ask this question. Are you operating out of a deficit and feeling like you're giving more than you're getting. And if that's the case, and I know it is for a lot of us, I'd like to remind you of what's important here. And that's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Today I titled this message, I said, bringing into focus what really matters. And that's really what I'm trying to get across to us here today. Do you have passion and fervor for the Lord? 
Did you used to worship the Lord with more passion than you do today? Did you used to pray to him with more passion? Did you used to read your Bible with more passion? Did you used to love those around you with more passion than you do today? Or maybe you're saying, maybe I, I just have never really gotten to that place to where I can passionately love and worship him and pray to him and read his word and love those around you. And I'm not asking you these things to shame you because your passion or your fervor for the Lord is something that has to be developed on a daily basis, right? You think of fervent, that, that also has a connotation of temperature, right? So temperature is something that you have to monitor. So what's your, what's your temperature or your fervency for the Lord today? Monitor that. Add fuel to it if it's not there. So he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Have an intimacy with him. Have passion and fervor for him. Then the second thing he says is love the Lord your God with all your heart and then love the Lord your God with all your soul. Well, what does he mean by that? Let me ask you guys this question. How's your soul today? What's the state of your soul? The song that comes to my mind here is a song called the, the Prodigal Song, and it's by Corey Asbury, and it says, I made the world my treasure, but underpriced my soul. How many of you here today, and including myself, are doing that very thing, where we're putting the things of this world ahead of the health of our soul? Are you nurturing your soul? And only you know if your soul is prospering or withering away. So the next question is, how do I restore my soul? How do I nurture my soul? I think one of the biggest and most important ways in which we can nurture our souls, in which I can nurture my soul, is through private worship. Spending time with the Father. One of the ways in which I, I do private worship is on my way to work or on my way home from work, just listening to worship music and being in my car and able to, to cry and to sing and to just be in the presence of God by myself. That's one of the ways in which I feel is a good opportunity for us to do that. Being out in nature, that's one of the ways that we can have private worship with him, right? Just being in his creation and recognizing what he created here and how good it is to be out in nature. Having quiet time with him, singing and worshiping him. Another thing, too, I think that might be overlooked is journaling. I think that if you write down your feelings and if you write down sort of, you know, and ask yourself that question, how is your soul, and sort of just write that down, I feel like that is another form of personal and private worship. Reading the word. That's a big one. And another one is Sabbath or resting. We have busy schedules, and I think that it's important for us to rest and just take time to be with the Lord. Another one, and this might seem a little bit odd, is saying no. What do, what do I mean by that? Our schedules are full, and if we don't take time to prioritize nurturing our souls, our soul is everlasting, right? So we should take time to nurture that. And if we're not taking time to nurture that, then we're operating out of an area and a position of depletion. It's maybe, I, 
what we should be doing instead of operating out of that is operating out of an overflowing of what Christ has done for us. I think of Psalm 23. That was a, a memory verse for a lot of us and one that Bennett uh, is memorizing in school. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me along the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's one of the verses I think that really points to nurturing our soul and how we can do that. So today, ask God that he would give you a revival of passion in your life and that that he would restore your soul. And then the third thing is that we are to love God with all of our mind. Romans 12, 2 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I just say that God is a God of renewal? That's what he wants. He doesn't want to just throw the old away and start all over again. And that's not what he's going to do with this earth. He's going to renew and restore this earth. He's going to make us new through him. And that's what he's doing through, to us each day. And can I just say that the mind is a powerful force. And it's something that we need to protect. We need to set boundaries onto what we allow into our mind. So just take an inventory of what you allow into your mind. How much of what you allow into your mind have you just excused away and said, well, everybody does it, so it's okay if I do it too? What are the things that you allow into your mind that are not honoring God? What are the boundaries that you specifically need to place in your life in order to filter sort of what is coming into your mind so that you can be better and that you can love God with all of your mind? What filters do you need to set in place in order to love God with all of your mind? Because what goes in also, I feel, comes out. And so if we're putting into our minds things that honor God, then what comes out will be an overflowing of that. Whereas if we're putting in things in our minds that aren't honoring God and we're spending time doing things that aren't honoring God, that's also what's going to come out. And we're not going to be operating out of this overflowing, it'll be once again, it's a way that we deplete ourselves is when we don't place these boundaries. And then the second piece of the greatest commandment, and this one is just as convicting to me as the first, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm sure that when Jesus was saying that, that he meant for us to love our family. When Jesus was saying that, he meant for us to love our church and to love our friends. Right? I think that he did mean that. But I have a sneaky suspicion that Jesus, when he was talking about our neighbors, he was talking about those who don't know God. I think that he was also talking about the lost, those that we come in contact with every day. He didn't just mean the Christians in our lives, the ones that maybe we agree with and align with. He meant those who don't know Jesus as well. 
So here, this commandment is a calling to love the lost. It's also a calling to, to love the found, but it's a calling to love the lost. How many of us can name people that you're currently praying for that don't know Jesus yet? And you're asking, God, lead this person to Jesus. And I'm saying this because this is one of my convictions as well. And we can get so caught up into being found and what it feels like to be found that we forget what it feels like and what it's like to be lost and to not know Jesus and to not have that hope that we have. And those around us are in just as much need of Jesus as we are. So how does that happen? Why does that happen? Why have we maybe not really been thinking of people that don't know Jesus? And I know we could all make excuses, but I'm not going to make excuses. And we can say reasons as to why that that happens. But today, I, my prayer is that we would return to loving the lost. And I want us to know what it feels like to pray for people and watch them step into our church and be discipled and to see their lives changed by Jesus and to see them on a journey in relationship with the Father, just like we are. And that's one of my visions for this church as we are sort of stepping into a new season here. We redid the covenant, and we're talking about, or we're going to be changing the name of our church as well. And God is at work here as we step into this next season. And I was telling Amy, I, I said, I just want to take a pamphlet to this development knock on their door, and when they open it, say, God loves you, and we do too. That's it. An invitation to come and to know that we love them and that God loves them. That's one of my visions for this church because we have a lot of houses going up around here that I believe we can be a witness in this area. You know, D Dale Keffer said that when the church fire happened, he felt that maybe it would be better to move the church where we are because we all come here. Not really any of us live next to this church. But now that he's seen all these houses coming up here, that's a great opportunity that we have. And I think that we should really take that seriously. I think that God is at work in that. And then secondly, you know, we need to love the lost, but we need to love the found as well. And what do I mean by that? Well, we can look around us and find empty seats of people who used to sit there. And why is that? Why aren't they sitting there anymore? We're partners in this. And some are worshiping elsewhere, and that's great. Praise God for that. And some of us have witnessed to and prayed for the lost, and maybe they're attending another church where the gospel is being talked about. And that's great. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. That is a great thing. But as I sort of look at our church, m most of us, if not all of us, here are Christians. And we've been serving God from a young age, and that's great. And I believe that one of the ways in which God is also leading us in this next season is to show Christ to our youth. 
80% of people come to know Christ before they're 18, right? So we have a huge calling for the children that are here in this church. But Mark 2.17, and, and we all know this verse, it says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners, right? And that is one of the things that I feel our church needs to do, is to invite sinners in to know the love that Jesus has for them. And once again, I'm not saying this to shame you guys, because guess what? Your, your pastor, your elder here is just as guilty of that. And I'm saying these things because God has convicted me of it. And it's also what he commands us to do, right? He has set this in place. It is the second greatest commandment for us to love our neighbors. And the vision that the Lord has given me is that we would pray for the lost, witness to them, love them, disciple them, and not just talk about it, but get up and do it. Just like Josh said, his love is actionable, and so should our love be actionable. To be able to feel the thrill of watching God at work in the lives of those that we come in contact with, our neighbors that are right beside us, it should motivate us to love them and to love our neighbors as ourselves and to see God at work and recognize that we love you, God. Thank you for that. So let's bring back into focus what really matters. And can we just take a moment and say, God, the lost people that are around me at my work, they're not a hindrance. They're the very purpose why I'm in my workplace, that I can witness to those people. God, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? Would you break my heart to love my neighbors, to love those who need Jesus? Can we ask and meditate on some names that God would give us to pray for that need Jesus? May God press those into our hearts and into our minds. We're going to have a, a song played at the end of this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. And that's what my prayer is, is that we would come back to that. This world is in desperate need for Jesus. And my prayer is that we would serve and love those around us. And that we would be the type of people that witnesses to others, both with our words and our actions, right? Our words are meaningless without our actions. We shouldn't be like a, a cheap, annoying salesman, right, that is just selling something cheap to these people. But in the way that we live our lives, we should show people that, hey, you know what, I have something that you don't have, right? And we should spark that entrance. We, we should be the salt of the earth. And it also, on the other hand, shouldn't be like a hidden secret that we're keeping from others. It should be a treasure that we want to share with others. As I sort of wrap up here, I asked God, I said, what is it that you, how would you like me to end this or to wrap this up? And he said for me to remind them, remind you guys of his love for you. And it's so fitting that the words or the songs that we sang today were about the love of God because he loves you. And that was his his plan that we sang those songs and his purpose that we do it. Ephesians 
2, starting in verse 4, says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Remember his love. Don't forget to remember his love for you. And don't forget to remember to love him and to love your neighbors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we just ask that we would do better at loving you and that we would do better at loving our neighbors. Heavenly Father, as this song plays here at the end of the service, I just ask that you would bring into light the ways in which we have failed. Bring into light names of people that we can pray for, that we can come alongside of and that we can share you and share Jesus and share the gospel with them because father you have given us a great treasure and that is your love for us and in response father we ask that we would love you and love our neighbors as ourselves heavenly father thank you so much for this time that we can spend together for this reason I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name I pray that, in, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. When the music fades all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to Sorry, Lord.
Heart, into my 